0: So, we're wrapping up 1 Corinthians. And uh, I challenged you last week, I'm not sure how many of you did this, uh, I've challenged you to read 1 Corinthians in its entirety. And I know that you know, it takes you know, maybe an hour or something like that to do. I had the opportunity to do that this week, and I was just reminded why we've been journeying through 1 Corinthians. Because there are so many parallels to our culture the influences that we experience, the pressures that we experience day in and day out as individuals and as a church, and the American culture compared to the culture in the First Corinthians church and in the Corinth uh, area are remarkable. How similar they are, and uh, we needed this in First Corinthians, didn't we, church? And uh, I want to continue to go back to it. I want to encourage you to go back to it. But today we're going to focus on the last few verses in chapter 16, verses 14 through 24. And um, when we're going to we're going to read this in a second. And at first blush, you say, "Boy, is this? Are these verses saying a whole lot?" Uh, it seems like Paul is writing his pleasantries. He's closing this wonderful letter. He's saying his goodbyes. And uh, what's, what's great is the resources that I've been using to study week in and week out, they reminded me that these verses are as inspired by the Holy Spirit as John 3.16. And so we're going to read these, and at first look, you're saying, hmm, how is pastor going to get anything out of that? Well, the Lord has helped us, and we've got to dig a little deeper. I want to remind us that 1 Corinthians, it was clear, crystal clear, that the Apostle Paul, he loved the Corinthian believers. He loved the leaders. He loved the church. He had given his heart there. And uh, one commentator noted in this particular passage that there was a connection between verse 14 and verse 24. And that's what we're going to try to, to do. He called it a bracket where he had some thoughts on love, some final thoughts On love. And in essence, Paul is saying, let love dominate your life. We must be people of love. This was the message that the Corinthians needed to hear. Remember that love was absent in many ways. There was discord and unity and knowledge uh, that was puffing people up. There were cliques and people were suing each other. And there was illicit sex within the, the, um, the church and marital issues and so on and so forth. And so uh, over and over throughout the book, Paul has brought us to the love. Of course, the apex of that was 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Remember, we spent some time there, didn't we? And Paul is correcting The absence of love. And you say, well, why is he addressing this? Well, because love had the potential to solve all of their problems. Love. And if they would walk in love, and I would say if we could walk in love, it would correct every problem in their lives. And I believe that if we walk in love, it will help us in our church, in our homes, in our businesses, in our relationships. Love is the answer. And so this morning, as we read these things, we're going to pull out four expressions of love and that these things are seen as an outflow of love. And so maybe you're already there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want you to stand to honor God's word. We're going to close this. At the end, it says the very last word, at least in the NIV. I didn't check in uh, the other versions. It says amen. When we get to that, I want everybody to be following along and say amen together, okay? Nice and strong. And if it doesn't work out really good, if we miss our cue, I'll read the entire thing again, and we'll do it again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Verse 14, do everything in love. <laughs> you know that the household of Stephanas uh, were the first converts in Achaia, and they had devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to other. To such as these, and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus arrived, because they have supplied what has been lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All of the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Be ready here. We're going to do it together. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you just speak to us uh, through the power of your spirit. Lord, that your words will be my words. And God, that we would uh, understand everything that you're calling us to. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So out of these few verses, I want to focus on four words. Four expressions of love, and the first one is acknowledgement. In verses 14 through 18, we see Paul acknowledging a few people that he loved, leaders. In fact, if you back it up, he just acknowledged Timothy and Apollos. We talked about that last week. But now he's recognizing a new group, uh, Stephanas and Fortunatus and Achaus, and he's recognizing them for a few things. And what I want you to see is, first of all, in verse 15, he recognizes them because uh, they were uh, evangelizing. They were doing the work of the Lord, and he recognizes that, that the first converts uh, were, were created there. They were busy in the church winning people to Jesus. And Paul is recognizing that. He's making note of that. John MacArthur said this, that the early church expressed its love in its evangelism. And he goes on to say, as you know, you can't just sit around and love each other and get anybody to really believe it unless you're out there carrying this wonderful gospel to the people who so desperately need it, need hearing of it. Amen. He goes on to say, if we really love the way God loves, the way Paul loved, the way the early church loved, we'll be out touching the lives of people who desperately need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And that's the call of the church. And Paul is recognizing that within, he's acknowledging that they were evangelists. The second thing is that they were drawn to service. Look at it in verse 15. And they were devoted themselves to the service of the saints. They devoted themselves to service. That word devoted themselves actually can be boiled down to the idea that there was an addiction You say addiction to serve in ministry, that sounds really negative. How many would agree? You're saying that doesn't sound right, right? Because when you think about addiction, there's kind of three steps in the process, as I understand it. First, there's a habit that's formed, right? That there's an overpowering desire uh, or a compulsion to do something. That moves on to a tolerance where the progressively there's a dis- the decreasing responsiveness. So your body begins to tolerate it and you need more, right? And then there's a dependence where you say, oh, man, I've got to have it. I need more. I have to have it. And in, in, when we think of addiction, we think, oh, that's negative. But think about it in the positive. If you say, man, the habit of reaching out and serving in ministry, then that habit turns to a tolerance saying, boy, you know, I, I, I'm serving in this way, and it's not enough. I need more. And then the dependent saying, boy, I don't want to live a day out of my life without serving my master, Lord Jesus Christ. With ministry, we serve. And it goes back to 1 Corinthians 15 58, which we spent a lot of time with, but where love will motivate us to serve, even to the point where we are overdoing it. Where people are saying, Boy, you're crazy. You're going to burn out. And you're saying, Yeah, thank the Lord. And Paul, he acknowledges this, that they devoted themselves to the service. For love's sake, they devoted, they were addicted ministry. The third thing that they, that Paul was acknowledging was their submission. Look at it, verse 16, to submit to such as these, talking about the leadership within the church. The idea here of submission is not only uh, to be following, but to be honoring those that are in authority by virtue of who they are in the title that they have. In fact, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit of time here, and I want you to know right up front, I am not feeling unloved in this respect. I'm not saying any of these things because... There's an issue here at the Gateway Church, uh, but I believe that there are some who have never heard this or don't understand what Scripture says in regards to submitting to authority, to honoring authority. And so we want to bring some revelation. It's certainly in Scripture, and the key is to learn to submit and to honor. And Paul is acknowledging this uh, within the church. So uh, in First Timothy chapter five, verse seventeen. You may have heard this before, but it says this. The elders or the pastors who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Double honor. A double portion. A double acknowledgement. And Paul, he understood that certainly. And of course, that's why he's encouraging Timothy in this way. But our society, can we just admit It kind of opposes authority in some ways. We are always questioning, and we certainly are not quick to submit. And there are a lot of verses on submission in different areas. Wives submit to the husbands. Kids are supposed to submit to their parents. Uh, In an employer situation. And all of us are, of course, supposed to submit to Christ. But there's another verse, Hebrews chapter 13, And I want you to turn with me there. There's a uh, whole set of verses. You can write them down. But let's focus on Hebrews 13 here. Look what it says. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There's an incredible responsibility. Someday, church, as your pastor, I will give an account for each and every one of you. You say, well, I'm just guest here. I will give an account for the day that you were here at the Gateway Church. Did I challenge you? Did we honor God's word? Did we teach you to love God, to love others? What were we teaching you how to pray, how to worship in these things? And then if you flip over to verse 17 in the same chapter, listen what it says. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. The idea is that I will stand before the Lord and have to give an account for you. So this is the encouragement. Look what it says. Obey them so that their work will be a joy. You want me to be happy, right? You want me to to be full of joy? Obey, submit, honor, right? (laughs) So that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Listen. Listen my life is miserable, it's kind of like that old sentiment, happy wife, happy life, happy pastor, happy church, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what God's Word says. So I want to encourage you in that way. And you say, well, what's the point? Well, it's not that we come and we give this blind faith. No, there may be times that, that we need to, you know, challenge and that uh, we do that. But listen, someone uh, at one point in my ministry uh, came to me and they said, and this is, this is silly, Uh, they said, you know what, I think God has called me to be a devil's advocate within the church. And I sat there, and I didn't say it, but I was thinking, no, he's just, you're just full of the devil. (laughs) It's devil's advocate for a reason. But anyway, the point is, listen, you need and I need to find somebody that we can submit to, that we can uh, uh, honor and sometimes that means that we're not tied to a building or a history of a certain place. Um, when I went to Bethel Christian, my first church, um, out of ministry, a family in the church, they invited Jessica and me over. I think Reagan might have been born. Nope, she wasn't even born, I don't think, because yeah, you came a couple years later. Uh, we were there, just the two of us. We're young in ministry. I mean, we're pliable and moldable. And this, this couple and they were, they were seasoned in the church, they explained to me that our pastor, who I was serving, who I had been called to serve, would never get close to us, and that he wasn't going to stay long. I mean, how encouraging is that? I went and told our pastor, and, uh, and he had words with this couple, and, uh, and they ended up leaving the church, but the idea, they thought, oh, well, we'll just outlive the pastor, or we'll wait till the next pastor comes. Listen, that is toxic. Find somebody that you can be loyal to and serve them. And if you don't respect the leadership, can I just be so bold that it's not good for you to sit under that kind of ministry? If you can't respect someone, and it's not good for you, it's not good for the church. So find someone, find a place. And if you can't respect or honor or submit, it will keep you from receiving God's favor, God's design for you. And again, there's no problem here. I'm not I'm not addressing anybody specifically. I just felt like the Lord, in God's word, in his time, t- Paul was acknowledging that they were submitting. He encouraged them to submit, and he was acknowledging that. And the last thing he was acknowledging is that uh, they had refreshed him, and uh, they had like giving to him appreciation and merits of respect and the call of God uh, that was uh, certainly on those leaders that he was acknowledging that they needed to do that, to continue in those ways. Alright, so the second expression of love is found in the the next few verses, in 19 through 20. And that word that I want to kind of focus on was affection. Let's look at it. It says, The churches of the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquil and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so So does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, what we're going to see here is that love produces or should produce hospitality. From one church to the next, it was interesting that they were saying, hey, we appreciate, we have opened our doors, we have embraced one another. And hospitality, church, is a sign of, Of love, They were meeting in each other's homes. They had an openness. And by the way, we should be opening our homes, the 10 groups that we have, with 70 individuals uh, meeting on a weekly basis. That's incredible. And we want to continue to see that be a strength here at the Gateway Church because love will bond people together when there's an openness and loving and accepting one another, living life together. So not only was he saying there, there was hospitality there, What about verse 20, all right? This is a junior high boy's favorite verse. I'm convinced of it It, because it says, right? It says, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? You're saying that was just a cultural thing, right? A holy kiss. Well, in the New Testament, there are several verses that talk about greeting one another with that sort of kiss. All of them were saying the same thing, not... To be passionate man and wife, that's not the type of kissing that this is talking about. I'm sorry to be the bearer of some sad news. It's interesting that in Scripture there are only two times where kissing is mentioned in a romantic fashion. And this is quite interesting. I had no idea until this week. The One is in in the Song of Solomon. You can write this down. It's not in my notes. Uh, But chapter 4, verse 11, you may want to look it up. And it's called the Solomonic Kiss. Essentially, when you read it, it's describing a French kiss. How about that? About our word, right? The Lord, it is in God's word, a French kiss. And then the other one is Proverbs chapter seven verse thirteen. It's actually not in a real positive. It's talking about the adulteress seducing and uh, the wayward man and bringing him in and embracing and with a with a kiss. And so obviously that's not all that beneficial. But back to here, the holy kiss, right? <laughs> get get your minds back together. All right. In 1 Corinthians 16, a holy kiss essentially was meaning a warm greeting, right? And there are lots of verses that talk about that. It'd be similar to a hug or an embrace. There are cultures even today um, out out east, uh, Pastor Bobby was saying this week that in uh, Connecticut and New York, there are still people that will greet each other with a a kiss kind of on both cheeks, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, and when Scripture talks about this holy kiss, I want to make sure it's crystal clear He's talking about guys, kissing guys, embracing guys, you know, uh, handshake and girls with girls. This is not a license to go around hugging and kissing all the pretty girls, guys, okay? And the point is that there is a place within the church for warm, affectionate greeting, to say, I love you, to do this. And the Corinthians, they couldn't get along. There was a lot of division, a lot of discord, and Paul is encouraging them, to be warm towards one another. And he's saying, look, that has the potential to break down some barriers. And I'll tell you, when you come to church, expect to be embraced. I pray that we would be a place, uh, the Gateway Church would be known for our affection for one another. But the third thing is this, an admonishment. In, In chapters uh, 16, verse six, 21 through 22. Let's look what it says. It says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. At this point, Paul has picked up the, sc- the pen and is writing the final, the final thoughts here. Um, you say, didn't he write the whole book? He most likely transcribed the rest of the book, but he's saying, look, at this point, I'm writing with my own hand. And he brings an admonishment, very interesting. He says, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse would be on him, Come, O oh Lord. I want to look at that come, O oh Lord, first. And the idea here is that, that love does not just uh, tell people uh, what they want them to hear. Love will speak the truth. And if you love, there will be times where you'll need to be upfront and honest to bring correction. And this is what Paul is doing, even in the final, uh, final words here of the, of the entire book. And he says, come, O Lord, which means Maranatha, by the way, which means he will come or he has come. Jesus has come. Right. And so it was a common confession, a greeting. They would say, Jesus is Lord. And then they say, Maranatha, come or he has come. And so Paul, he gives an admonishment. Then he says, he will come. God will come. And the, what about that admonishment? You say, boy, that seems really harsh doesn't it? If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse would be on him. The result would be a curse. If you're not, uh, if there's no regard for Jesus in your life, that there would be a curse there. And I'll tell you, it's always been this way. Turn with me back to Deuteronomy chapter 30. From the very beginning of time with the law and, and uh, different, uh, different things right from the beginning of scripture, look what verses 15 through 19 say. Says, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. I want to pause there. God, I believe, has always desired to bless his people. Old Testament, New Testament. Some people say, oh, God was a God of judgment in the Old Testament. He's a God of peace and love in the New. No, God has always wanted to love his people. He's always wanted to lavish blessings. Isaiah 30, verse 18 said, God longs to be gracious to you. He wants to do this. But, in verse 17, it says, but if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn A way to bow down to other gods and worship them. In other words, if you are uh, in a place where you are choosing other things where God is not first in your life, that could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be stuff, materialism. You fill in the blank. What happens then? Look what it says I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land that you are crossing, the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, So this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. The choice is yours. Blessing and curses. And then it says this, Now, in verse 19, Choose life so that you and your children may live. God has given us the choice. And we need to embrace that. And Paul is bringing this Admonition, and the last few sentences of his book or his letter to the Corinthian church, he's saying, look, if God is not first in your life, you're living under a curse. Pretty strong. But then he finishes up with the last word, which I'll call affirmation. It's the final words, the final couple uh, couple sentences here. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. After writing a difficult letter, for sure, he called the Corinthians earlier infants. He was sarcastic throughout the letter. There was a whole series of don't you know or shouldn't you know statements. Now Paul is reminding the Corinthians. He's saying grace from God can make you strong. The grace of God. And he's encouraging them to walk in love. He's affirming grace. He's affirming God's love. And he's, he's really encouraging them, I believe, to even communicate verbally to one another, to love one another. He's being on a model. He's putting in writing, my love to all of you. And I just want to say that affirmation is absolutely critical. The power of our tongue, what we say, what we declare over our lives is a big deal. The confession of our tongue, the confession of our mouth. And we need to be filling our lives, our minds with not man's thoughts, but with God's word, right? So we need to affirm what the Lord says. And so I want to just challenge you to speak God's word over your life. Speak God's word over your kids, over your business, over your friendships affirmation is what god is looking for to affirm his word in every circumstance so so i was wrapping up and kind of looking at these things and and yeah there's some things that kind of popped out and some words um in different ways and uh i was just sharing some thoughts and uh and pastor bobby really blessed me and uh, you didn't know i was going to acknowledge you but uh Pastor Bobby is an incredible mind, a great resource. Um, I give him an assignment to do some study. He's right on it. He's sending me stuff. It's it's really awesome. Uh, if you ever want to talk theology, he's your man. And uh, he's, he's really wonderful. But he said in regards to the end of this chapter, um, you know, you, th- you can look at this, and, and Paul is writing, and in some ways he is writing some pleasantries. He is saying his goodbyes. He's sending greetings and different things. But uh, but. Pastor Bobby's encouragement to me was, hey, let's personalize it here at the Gateway Church. The idea being, what if we were writing a letter to the Gateway Church? Or if I was away for a time and I was sending greetings back? The idea, if we were writing a letter to the church, would you be included in the letter? Ooh, (laughs) that's a good question. I like that. It's in my notes. First of all, would you be included, would there be a rebuke with your situation, your story, your family? Would there need to be some correction? Because maybe you're puffed up, or maybe there's some division, or whatever. And let me just say, don't be that guy, right? If there was a letter being written, don't be on the side of rebuke or correction. But what about the pleasantries? Would you be acknowledged for being an evangelist? Would you be acknowledged for your concern for others in our community, for others in your neighborhoods or in your families? Would you be acknowledged because of your service here at the Gateway Church? Are you devoted? Are you addicted to ministry? Or are you on the sidelines and maybe your name would not be included? Would your name be included, acknowledged for submitting to authority, having respect, or bringing appreciation? Would there be a love relationship saying, boy, remember so-and-so, or this person submitted, or this or that? Would, who would be deserving of such acknowledgement? I want you to take your bulletins and flip it over, and maybe you're already taking notes, and that's fine. Uh, But find a spot, and I want you to think for a moment in regards to acknowledgement. Who here at the Gateway Church comes to mind that if there was a letter written, being sent back, who in your mind would be acknowledged? And I want you to write down their name, okay? I want you to do this. I want you to make it personal. In your life, And some of your guests and visiting, you can make the application in your own life. Um, however you see fit. But I want you, to, for those of you that are regular tenders, saying who has gone above and beyond in service or in evangelism or in submission or appreciation, bringing respect um, or, or being a refreshing, who would be deserving of such acknowledgement? And now that you've written that down or now that that person has come to your mind, I want to challenge you that this week that you can do something about that. You can acknowledge that person you can stop them before you leave today say hey your name came to mind thanks for all you do or you can write them a little note put it in the or send them an email or send them a text pick up the phone and call them right let's acknowledge and it's so important and i want you to know that when it comes to acknowledgement uh, next week we'll be our master level leader again where we're acknowledging those that are standouts and uh, but really across the board we need to be acknowledging and uh, that's why we do board and staff appreciation. And that's why we do pastor appreciation. We do some of those things. That, that they're on the calendar to be able to give you an opportunity to appreciate, to acknowledge. And that's what Paul was doing in these final things. How about the next thing? If a letter was written, how affectionate are you? Would you be acknowledged for your affection? Is your love seen here in these circles at the Gateway Church? Are you a hospitable person? Are you committed to connecting with others? Each week when you come before church, I encourage you to be here early so you can greet one another and spend some time with each other. After service, we we say, hey, we're going to close our time with a time of greeting. And we do that typically. We've kind of Change the model for a season here. And I want to encourage you, don't just leave. Make sure you're connecting. Be affectionate towards one another. Be hospitable. Open your homes and pray. My prayer is that we would be a place of warmth and affection. How many want that for our church? Amen. It's important. If a letter was being written, also, would there be some admonishment? What would the Holy Spirit put on someone's heart to write about the Gateway Church. You say, boy, admonishment is not fun. When there's correction or rebuke, that's not fun. But listen, I appreciate it, and I hope you do as well, that if I get off in any way, I want to be open to the Holy Spirit working in someone else's life to bring some correction into my life. And people have many times have helped me to keep my head screwed on right when I've got off. And I want to be a person that's willing to speak the truth, but also willing to listen to truth, and then also to be speaking life. And then that last bit with affirmation, how do we do that? To, to emphasize grace, to emphasize love, we need to be thinking about our words, thinking about our confession. What would you speak about others? And I pray that it would be rooted in God's word. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning. Lord, that you have helped us. Lord, and as we are concluding this book, I pray that all the lessons would come flooding back into our hearts and into our minds. And maybe as we revisit these scriptures in our own time, I pray that you would continue to strengthen us and help us, Lord, to be effective for you above anything else. God, I pray this, that you would help us to be passionate and committed Lord, that you would help us to acknowledge one another, that you'd help us to be affectionate, to bring admonition, to, be, to bring correction, rebuke when needed, and to be people full of your word, to affirm that in our own lives and in the lives of others. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name.